Thy kingdom come. I've been talking about this for a few weeks now. Have you ever realized or have you ever had those times to where you're talking with someone and you realize you're just not really on the same page? Uh, you're just, maybe you're not even, you think you're talking about the same thing, but you just kind of realize something, something's not really jiving here. Um, those times can even get you in trouble. Um, husbands, you know what I'm talking about. Um, those, I heard an amen there. Those times when uh, you might not be thinking exactly what uh, your spouse is thinking, then you do or you say something wrong and then you quickly realize that you've blown it. For example, uh, husbands, you know what it's like when your wives come in the house with a new haircut and you don't say anything and you miss it altogether, right? You know what I'm talking Amen, that's right. Or, and sometimes, I think sometimes wives, you set us up, right? Amen. Amen. You, you set us up. I mean, you'll, you'll go, we'll be, when you're out and about, or uh, you may say something like, boy, I, had, I could sure go for McDonald's sweet tea right now. Or I could go for a Starbucks right now. Now, uh, women, what are you saying when you say that? <laughs> Men, what do we hear? We hear, well, she probably like a sweet tea and she like a Starbucks, and we drive right by the McDonald's and right by the Starbucks, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we're just not jiving. Sometimes we're just not totally on the same page. And guys, I know that there are many times that we just miss it altogether. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Well, this is Palm Sunday, and I know you may think I'm crazy, but on a much larger scale, obviously, I feel this kind of miscommunication was actually taking place some 2,000 years ago when Jesus made his grand entrance into the city of Jerusalem. As I said, we have been talking about the kingdom for several weeks now. And as I was reading through the Gospels this week and reading through the, uh, uh, the time when Jesus came into Jerusalem, I again found the message of the kingdom. It's amazing how many times you can find something when you're really looking for it. But I, re- I again found the message of the kingdom. But as I read, I saw where Jesus and the Jews may have been using similar language. But they were not on the same page. Go to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Have you read with us this morning? Matthew 21. It will be on the screen, but for those of you who like to follow, here we go. Well, that is really good water this morning. Good job, Lynn. Thank you. I don't know why. This is really good this morning. Uh, Matthew 21, first uh, nine verses. Here we go. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. 
And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I want to make some observations about these passages here. If you go back to verse 5, uh, there is a direct quote there where it talks about your king is coming. Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. That verse 5 is a direct quote from Zechariah 9.9, a 500-year-old prophecy. And as Jesus came riding into Jerusalem... Both he and the crowd knew exactly what was going on. They knew. They knew that prophecy from 500 years earlier. They knew what that, what that scene meant. If they really would have been perceptive, however, the donkey should have given away the nature of the Messiah's coming. You see, most of the time, the victorious warriors or the kings, they would ride into town on a majestic horse. But here we see Jesus riding in on a donkey, not exactly a display of great strength and power. However, this is who Jesus was. This is what he came to promote. And he was saying, anyone who wants to follow me must come by the way of humility must come by the way of brokenness, must come by the way of having a poor spirit. But here they knew what this scene meant. The donkey was in reference to that 500-year-old prophecy. Verse 9, we see where they, they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Now, the word Hosanna means the anointed one sent from God to save his people. That's the essence of what the word Hosanna means. Hosanna is another word for Messiah. So when Jesus rode into town and they shouted this, they were declaring that Jesus was indeed their Messiah. The one, capital O, the one sent from God to save them. Again, when they said this, both Jesus knew what they were saying. They knew what they were saying as well. They also knew that the prophets foretold that the coming of the Messiah would be from the tribe of Judah, the lineage of King David, which is why they declared that he was the son of David. Now, I don't know if Jesus had a birth certificate or if he had some kind of uh, um, identification, card of identification, but if he did, it would have said, from the tribe of Judah. 
Or it would have said that his great, 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 great grandfather was none other than King David himself. So when you combine all of these factors, Jesus come riding in, riding in on a donkey. Foretold 500 years earlier, Jesus was from the tribe of Judah, which makes him a son in the lineage of David. You combine that with all the miracles, all the great events and uh, spectacular things that he had been doing for the last three and a half years. It's no wonder they shouted Hosanna. No wonder he could blame them. No wonder they believed that he was their hometown hero sent from God to save them from the tyranny of Rome and to restore them once again back to their glory days. As the song goes, no wonder they call him Savior. We see this line of thought, you don't have to turn there, but we see this line of thought in Mark in the next gospel um, where it says, Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom. There's our buzzword again. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Another confirmation that the throngs of people were expecting Jesus to reestablish their Davidic kingdom. We're all, we also see this in John chapter 12. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Luke says the same thing. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You see, both accounts say the crowds that day called Jesus their king. Everything that day pointed to the fact that the Jews had found their king, even the palm branches that they laid down. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Some of you have. Palm branches symbolize a goodness. They were a symbol of well-being. They were a symbol of victory back in the ancient days. They've been depicted on coins and important buildings. If you read the Old Testament, you see where King Solomon had palm branches carved into the big doors of the temple. We even see this in Revelation 7-9 where it says, After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. This tells us that all honor, all glory is given to God and His Son. And one of the symbols used within this myriad of the redeemed are palm branches. So here in Jerusalem, as the people waved their palm branches and laid them down at the feet of Jesus so He could travel on, they were saying, the one for whom we have waited on for so long is here. Our King, our Savior, our Redeemer is here. But again I ask, were they talking about the same thing? Were they on the same page? You probably know by now the point that I'm trying to get across is that Jesus and the Jews that day were not on the same page. 
You see, I believe that the Jews missed it. Just like us husbands miss going by McDonald's or Starbucks and we totally missed it. Jesus came and went and the majority of the Jews totally missed why Jesus came. They missed it completely. Jesus did not come to reestablish David's kingdom. He did not come to establish an earthly kingdom with a physical throne. He came for something much greater, praise the Lord. He rode into Jerusalem that day to establish a kingdom that would never end. A kingdom not just for the Jews, but for ones that include you and me, foreigners and aliens. A kingdom for which the angels that we hear uh, around Christmas time, one for which the angels said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for who? All people. That's us. That's you. And that's me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's the king that rode into Jerusalem 2,000 some years, some 2,000 years ago. You see, the crowds lauded him that day for all the wrong reasons. They laid down their palm branches for all the wrong reasons. But I ask you and I ask myself this morning, why are we here this morning? Are we here for all the wrong reasons? <laughs> Are we here merely to associate with friends or sing some songs, put some money into the offering plate, hear a sermon, open up our Bibles, go home? Are we here because it's just what we do on Sundays? You see, church, if we're not careful, we too can miss the meaning of this Palm Sunday if we're not careful. We can be here for all the wrong reasons if we're not careful. I want today's message to be one of worship and praise. I don't want us to miss the glorious meaning behind what this day really represents. I want this to be a reminder of why Jesus really came, to praise Him for all the right reasons. You see, Jesus indeed came to be our king. For as he rode into Jerusalem, it would just be a few days later that he would look into the eyes of Pilate and he would say, I am a king. It is for this reason that I came. And because he is a king, church, he reigns. Somebody say amen to that. He reigns. He is our king. Here is a beautiful truth that I'm going to read. You don't have to turn there. It's found in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. It says, And the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And here it is. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. I don't know if you caught that, but do you know what that means? This tells us that once we become believers, once we become citizens within this kingdom of God, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Okay, Pastor Brock, that sounds like a preachy thing to say. What does that mean? What that means is, if He reigns, we reign. 
If he rules, we rule. If he rocks, we rock. If he conquers, we conquer. If he's victorious, we are victorious. I only got one amen out of that, and that was from my wife. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was declaring that he is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he indeed reigns. I want to hit three things this morning that he reigns over. It's not all inclusive. that We could probably go on for weeks talking about the things that he reigns about. But when Jesus rode in Jerusalem, he was declaring to everybody he reigns. What does he reign over? He reigns over sin. He reigns over sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we sing about this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Also tells us in Romans 6, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. You see, church, he conquered sin once and for all, and because of that, he reigns over sin. And if he reigns over sin, that means you and I can reign over sin. Somebody ought to get excited about that. You and I can reign over sin. Not sure if you believe me? Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to dig into this just a few seconds here. Romans 6. Wow. Romans tells us some glorious truths. Romans 6, we'll jump around a little bit, but verse 12, Romans 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Go down to verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, praise the Lord. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Skip down to verse 17. But God be thanked that through you were... Excuse me, but God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Church, he reigns over sin. You and I, therefore, can reign over sin. Jesus did not come just to deliver the people from Roman rule and Roman bondage. He came to deliver the souls of mankind from the bondage of sin. He came to fulfill Isaiah's words in chapter 61. He said this in the synagogue that day. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We can rejoice this morning. We should be honoring Him and glorifying Him and praising Him because we no longer need to be slaves to sin. Although there might be someone here that is slave to something that's in their life. Maybe you came here and you're struggling over something and you're struggling and you've been working on it and you've been taking steps to try and get over this thing that keeps plaguing you and that's the problem. See, you've not yet given over to Jesus. 
See, before you can be a slave over sin, Jesus has to be in your life. Before you can reign over sin, Jesus has to reign in your life. And maybe there's an area in your life right now that he's not reigning in. You've not given this over to him. And because of that, you're not going to have victory. But you can have victory. You can. Praise the Lord. The king who rode into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago was victorious over sin, and because he reigns over sin, we can reign over sin. Number two, he reigns over the world. He reigns over the world. 1 John 5, 4 tells us this, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You hear that? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. We live in the midst of a corrupt and wicked world. One that is constantly nipping at our heels, trying to get us to be one of its own. It's evident in our society that the world around us is constantly against us, church. Just mention the name Jesus on television or out in public and people begin to get nervous. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Not so much the the name God, because that can be a generalized, universal term. God can mean many things to many people, but when you say the name... It makes people nervous. Organizations like the ACLU or people in Hollywood, public schools and universities, or even our local and national government, all seem to be against anything or anyone that represents Jesus. And it's the very foundation, foundational truths of Jesus Christ that our country was built. Notice that ISIS targets, mainly targets Christians and Jews. You notice that? Why not Hindus or Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses? Now, I'm not seeking for them to be targeted. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm talking about is uh, there's just something about the name of Jesus that brings vitriol, that brings a fury, that brings hatred out of the world. What is it? I'll tell you what it is. Satan can't stand that name of Jesus. He shrieks and he cowers at the name of Jesus. And as we often sing, there truly is just something about that name. Jesus said, if the world hated him, it will hate you as well. But how do we overcome the world? That verse just tells us there, our faith. By our faith. Faith is the greatest weapon that we have. And because of our faith and because Jesus reigns over the world, you and I can reign over the world as well. Oh, we could probably just camp out there for a while, but I need to move on. The third area that he reigns over, he reigns over the enemy. He reigns over The enemy. Look at the passage in Luke chapter 10 where it says this. 
Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. What an awesome passage that is. What, what has taken place here? Uh, uh, something has uh, taken place uh, leading up to these verses. If you read, I believe, at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus uh, sends out many people, many of the disciples, and he even included about 70. There were about 70 people in all, and he sent them out in pairs. He sent them out in, in twos, and he just sent them out into the different towns and villages around him. Basically declaring, telling them to declare that the kingdom of heaven is near. There's our buzzword again, the kingdom. And telling them that if they go into a home that accepts them, then ask for a blessing of peace. But if not, to leave and kick the dust off their shoes and God help their souls. But what ended up happening is they went into these villages and they found that they had power to heal diseases. And they said they came back and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. Are you kidding me? Now, let me just say this, uh, just a little side note here. Um, there are many, which I'm not going to get off on a rabbit trail, and this is probably a topic for a Wednesday night. I know there are many people that believe that Satan originated from heaven. Um, I don't believe that. This is one of the verses that some people uh, will look to to say, well, see, it, it just says there, it says, Behold, um, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on with this. Notice it didn't say Satan came from heaven. Jesus just said the disciples came back and they're telling him all these things. And what's happening is they're getting victory over the enemy. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You know, what he was saying is that, look, you're going out into his domain. You're going out into the world of the, sat- of the satanic, of the demonic to where Satan rules and reigns in this world. But Jesus has overcome. Jesus reigns and he's saying, look, I saw Satan falling. He could not stand up to the force that was behind your efforts. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying that he came from heaven. He's just, he, he fell from his lofty positions because Jesus reigns over the enemy. Praise the Lord. He reigns over the enemy. Remember what I preached a few months ago, even as we speak right now. Satan is strategizing against you and me. He is making customized weapons. If you remember, he's making customized darts, fiery darts just for you and me. Right now, he is attacking someone's passion in life. You don't have to say amen as I go through this, but I believe it's probably going to touch on somebody. He's attacking someone's passion. He's attacking someone's focus. He's attacking someone's identity. He's attacking someone's marriage and family. He's attacking an important relationship perhaps in your life. He's attacking our confidence, our calling in life. He's attacking our purity He's attacking our rest and our contentment. And one of the biggest weapons that he has is discouragement and doubt. 
And he's throwing fiery darts, customized and made just for you. But remember Jesus' words in John 16.33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I debate telling you this story for fear that it might sound like I'm sensationalizing it and I'm going to do my best not to sensationalize. And I know you kind of have to be careful telling these type of stories, but I'm going to try and tell it. I personally know of a pastor, I know this story came from them. There is a, um, there was a, an area Christian counselor that was uh, dealing with a deeply disturbed lady that he just didn't feel like he could deal with. He felt like it actually went beyond um, what he could deal with. And so he called some area pastors and um, said, would you be willing to meet with this lady? He said, I have a feeling that we're even dealing with some, some evil spirits here. This pastor that I'm referring to uh, said that he and a number of other area pastors agreed, agreed to meet with her. They sat down with this lady, and they began to talk to her, and they found out that ever since that she was just a young child, she was raised with the occult. She was raised in the, in the satanic religion. And that for years and years, she was under bondage. When they tried to get her to renounce any former allegiances or loyalties and proclaim trust in Jesus Christ. They said she wanted to, but she just couldn't. There was just something holding her back. There was something there that just could not break through. Says they began to pray, and there was someone in the background that their sole job was just to read the Bible. They just opened the Bible up and they just read. They were just reading they weren't even reading out loud. They were just reading. And the, the more they tried to get her, they weren't forcing her, but they knew they had to break through. And they said the more, just hear me out on this. Some of you have heard stories like this. The more they tried to push her, or not push her, but get her to uh, proclaim the name Jesus, the more violent she got. Obscenities and vulgarity just began to spew out of her mouth. And it was then that they realized they were dealing with an evil spirit. And so they began to speak to the evil spirit. The evil spirit began to tempt them, began to talk back at them, began to try and demoralize them and intimidate them. And this spirit, they asked, what is your name? And the spirit said, Legion. Now, we've heard that, that name sometimes in the Bible, in the, in the account of the Bible. And so they just began to take authority over that spirit. They began to take authority over the demons that were taking place that she had dealt with for so long. And one of the pastors said that they noticed that she had some obscure-looking earrings and a necklace. And from past experiences, they said a lot of people who are just wrapped up in the occult, they have some object, some piece of jewelry, something 
a doll or something that they just kind of have with them at all times that kind of just links them to this, this lifestyle. And, and they believe the Spirit of God revealed to them and said, we need to get rid of those necklaces and, that, and, and uh, the earrings and the necklace. The lady couldn't do it. She tried to get them off and she just, through the help of one of the pastors, they were able to remove these items and, and I'll tell you this as well. Uh, they knew that they just couldn't go throw it in the trash. They had to burn it. They had to destroy any kind of link, any, anything that connected that to that lady. So what's interesting is they took these items and one person left the room. They left the building entirely. Nobody knew where they were going. And they went out in the parking lot of this building and they burnt these items, destroyed them. While this was taking place, the Spirit spoke through the woman and said, why did you burn those items? Why, you, why did you do that? I don't, don't want you to do that. For hours, for hours, they took authority over this Spirit. And, and once they, they, they took those items away, that seemed to be the release that they needed. And little by little, you could tell her spirit just began to calm down. After much prayer and much taking authority over the enemy, she finally declared Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of her life. And she broke through. Jesus reigns over the enemy. He reigns over your enemy as well. That's what it meant. You see, when Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He was glorified. He was at the throne. He was at the pinnacle of this lady's life. But Jesus Christ destroyed those bondages and Satan fell. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He reigns over the enemy. And because we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ, church, all of the promises in God's word are ours, including this. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which tries to rise against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You notice it doesn't say capital Y. It says little y. What's that referring to, you and me? That means we have the authority to condemn in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the heritage, oh praise the Lord, of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Praise the Lord, because Jesus reigns over the enemy, you and I can reign over the enemy. Whatever the circumstances are in your life, he can reign over it. He can rule over it, and you can as well. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the band to come up right now. We're going to be closing here in a few moments. This is Palm Sunday. Church, somebody's got to proclaim it. Somebody's got to shout it. Somebody's got to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And is this not why we are here this morning? To give praise and honor and glory. I still have just one thing, a couple things I want to share in closing. 
if we don't praise Him, I believe the grass and the trees outside will. If we don't magnify the name of Jesus Christ, the horses that are just on the other side of that hill are going to do it for us. The birds that are out in the trees are going to do it for us. And you're going to think I'm crazy. I know you already do. All pastors are nuts. You know that, right? You're going to think I'm crazy. But if we don't praise Him, the rocks, that the gravel that are making up our driveway... They're going to praise Him. Now, how can I say that? Some of you know probably what I'm referring to. As Jesus came into Jerusalem and the crowds were saying all these things, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna to the King, the Pharisees and the scribes knew what they were saying and and they had this exchange. Some of the Pharisees called to Him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But He answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Psalm 19 tells us, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Church, this morning, may we not allow the rocks, may we not allow the gravel down there to cry out in our place. Because our God, our King has come, and He reigns. Let's not go through this Palm Sunday and miss it, like they missed it 2,000 years ago. But instead, let's shout it from the rooftops. As they lay down their palm branches, church, may we lay down our life this morning in adoration and praise to Jesus Christ. We know that the Garden of Gethsemane is coming this Thursday. We know that the cross waits for us on Friday. And praise the Lord, we know what's coming next Sunday, right? But today we have an opportunity to not let the rocks cry out. We have an opportunity to praise and adore our God and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. For this kingdom, His kingdom, has indeed come. So this morning, I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand. This is what we're going to do. I want you to cry out with me this morning. I want you to cry it out. I don't know if this is... Kent, can you advance that next slide for me? I want you to say it with me in unison. On the count of three, we're going to say this. One, two, three. Hosanna. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. We're going to say that one more time. I don't think the rocks down below could hear you. We're going to say that one more time. Think about our God. He rules and he reigns. He is in our life this morning. Say it with me one more time. Hosanna. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's sing this morning.